Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Merry Christmas, everyone. We are back. Twitter NBA show was today. We really enjoyed doing that live. Hope you were able to catch that. Uh, but for those who didn't, or even those who did, we're going to go through all five Christmas games today, starting with the marquee attraction, Golden State and Cleveland. The Warriors pulled away very late for a seven-point win that was actually a lot closer than that. So why don't we start with the big picture, Danny, before we even get into the actual mechanics of this game. And just say, what did you take away from this matchup? The personnel has changed much more on the Cleveland side so far. What did you take away as far as uh, you know, if these two teams do meet again in June? One basic question that we're just going to have to learn over time is whether Cleveland can get away with not having LeBron James on Kevin Durant all the time. Because last year, that forced Cleveland into a choice that they couldn't really succeed at. They were wanted LeBron off of him because he's so good as a kind of a center fielder, free safety defensively. And and they couldn't do that because Kevin Durant was lighting them up. They brought in Jay Crowder and it wasn't perfect, but I did think he did a really nice job overall in terms of, of defending Durant, maybe not stopping him, but just making life difficult. That mattered more because Steph Curry didn't play, but I feel like they can take some solace in that, especially because Jay Crowder started out this year shaky as he was still looked like he was making his way back physically. Yeah, that's one of the bigger stories of the last month is Jay Crowder beginning to round into form five of ten in this one 15 points three of five from three the three ball was not falling for him early he also made some hustle plays uh, with four offensive rebounds uh, as cleveland totaled 19 on the offensive glass it was a very weird game in terms of some of the extreme strengths and weaknesses that each team showed which we'll get into but i think with crowder only played 29 minutes in this one might like to see a little bit more from him especially because jeff green who whatever powers he has uh, he loses them against uh, golden state he was only one out of six so yeah i thought crowder did a credible job um the fact that he was hitting the three was solid he provides a, enough spacing that you can't just leave him open and then durant you know obviously without curry the spacing is more compacted however 25 points on 8 and 19 from the field that's something that cleveland can deal with i mean you remember the way that the warriors in the finals lit them up for basically a buck 20 every game and only 99 points for the warriors in this one and they accomplished that even with some intentional fouling at the end yeah another thing that was striking in this game i'm not sure if it's necessarily a broad scale takeaway but the warriors defended very well i thought overall and some of it also you I mean, cleveland was 7 of 22 in the restricted area you don't expect that to continue even if a team is defending well that is going to be toned down yeah although the warriors by the way are on pace to basically be the best shot blocking team in uh recorded history since they started yeah blocking they got blocks, they right? got eight blocks today and that actually lowered their season 
season average. Yeah, I think they're averaging like 8.8 or something for the season. Um, And it's been a very impressive run for the Warriors defensively in the absence of Steph Curry. Um, They've picked it up on that end. My next takeaway is that, you know, this Warriors team, really, they've not stopped the Cavs that well. They didn't really that much last year either. Uh, But today with Jordan Bell at center, they had Andre Iguodala who was able to come in. Patrick McCaw started, then they went to a lineup to close it out with Iguodala that really had no weak spots at all. And I think the fact that Steve Kerr, number one, started Jordan Bell rather than a now healthy Zaza Pachulia in deference to that matchup with Kevin Love. And then number two, that Bell looked like he belonged out there. That's a big development as well going forward here because Cleveland had really taken advantage of any time that the Warriors did not have Draymond Green at center defensively. And now with Bell out there, that is not quite as available to them. A basic question that teams have to deal with when they're facing the Cavs and Boston is going to have challenges here is playing lineups where every single guy can credibly defend LeBron James on a switch as good as he can. You know, you're not you're not going to have you're not going to have a lineup of five Kawhi Leonard's out there. And one of the differentiators between these teams and any other teams is that they have just a higher number of players that are that are suitable in those circumstances. And so, as you said, in this one, you know, Iguodala, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. And so one of the big questions was, can Jordan Bell, he's not obviously going to be as good as those players, but can he join that group? And I thought he did a nice job when he was switched on to LeBron. And I also thought, generally speaking, in terms of the mistakes he normally makes, he did a nice job on Kevin Love. There were a few, you know, a few where he closed out a little bit late, but Love is a hard cover in that way. And Love scored a lot of points, but he missed some shots in the restricted area. And the threes that he hit, I didn't consider those mostly Jordan Bell's failings. It was just the nature of what they were going up against. Yeah, there was a couple times he got ducked in by Love, fouled him once in the post as well. But yeah, it was a credible performance from Bell. And, and when you look at now, this is a Warriors team that already had great rim protection. And then you look at Bell's mobility as well. And that's how you get some of these numbers. From, and, and obviously Kevin Durant had five blocks. He was unbelievable defensively, especially late, which we'll get to. But you mentioned the seven out of 22 in the restricted area. Cleveland, a further three out of 16 from floater range. And then they were three of 14 on long twos. Didn't even make their first long two outside the paint until the fourth quarter. And so overall, Cleveland shot 32% and were much, much better on threes. I mean, that was the crazy thing that kept them in at 15 out of 36 three-point shooting, uh, 42%. And so that meant that they were a mere 13 out of 52 from two-point range. Uh, and some of that too is they just kept getting offensive rebounds and then getting blocked again. But it was really the defense by Golden State it was remarkable. And outside of LeBron James, Cleveland does not really have anyone who excels at finishing over length in the paint at this point. Something else that is a broader takeaway, and somebody kind of asked this when we were doing the Twitter NBA show about, you know, like which of these teams has more shooters? And the answer to that question now, as it has been for the last couple of years, is Cleveland does. Cleveland, in terms of numbers, has more shooters, but the Warriors have a, lo- a, a couple guys that are ruthlessly efficient at those sorts of things, Durant, Clay, and Steph, usually. With Curry out, they needed more floor spacing. They needed just more threats from other places. And they didn't really get that offensively. That wasn't why they won this game. And one of the concern points there is that one of the players in what Tim Kawakami calls the Hamptons Five, Andre Guadala, had a couple of nice finishes. He had that, that dunk in transition and had another one, but he looked reluctant to shoot. And also his jump shot just looked shaky. Like the mechanics of it, it it's just not there yet. It's not a, something you write off yet, but it is something to keep an eye on for the next 
next two to three months and then really in april of course when we get closer to the playoffs yeah and now again when steph curry is out there it gets a lot easier right because andre guadala he doesn't have to take open threes as much he can screen away if they're not guarding him he can roll to the basket for dunks play more really almost as a five man but and he he performed credibly on defense as well i thought against lebron james however and he was 04 on threes mccaw was a little more aggressive he was one out of five on threes draymond was two out of eight and the warriors were 10 out of 37 from downtown the combination of durant and thompson was seven out of 16 that made everyone else three out of 21 and that's been an issue all season for golden state we have not seen the incredibly efficient offense especially since steph went out nick young is really their only other guy who's shooting the three ball okay right now and he was 0 for 3 in this one and got trucked on defense so it's really uh, that's somewhat of an issue in Cleveland's strategy of just not guarding Draymond at the on the perimeter not guarding Sean Livingston well usually you could say okay we're not going to guard these guys we're not going to guard Iguodala well okay now we're just going to have that guy screen for Steph Curry or Clay Thompson well there's only one of those guys on the floor right now you know so they don't have the gravity there either so the Golden State the, the problems really compound on the offensive end and it was really a poor offensive performance by Golden State in this one they got destroyed uh, on off offense against the Denver Nuggets when they went uh two out of 23 on three pointers on Saturday night so Steph Curry you imagine he's close to coming back he scrimmaged on Sunday uh they really need him because the offense is not working even if the defense has yeah and and something that I also took away from this game though we still have a long time to figure it out is just what Cleveland's going to do from their support players I mean we know where their bread is going to be buttered with LeBron and and presumably with Isaiah Thomas when he gets back and Kevin Love but they're going to need something from those guys because the Warriors have so many threats and they stagger them in a way that you're you're going to have players on the floor that you have to deal with. And I I thought this was a shaky game from Jeff Green. Dwayne Wade had some moments, certainly. And Kyle Korver, he, you know, defensively, I don't think they exploited him as much as they did at certain moments in the finals, but he wasn't a like a, a, an imperative as much as I think that the Cavs fans need him to be in that series. And so you have that. And then the other part of this, and I assume it's because he's making his way back, but Tristan Thompson was a backup center in this game that's all he was he never he, i don't think he played a single minute yeah. with kevin well they Lund. didn't need him to stop golden state they were right. stopping him just fine that's true and, and so how they're going to make all that work of course having isaiah will replace calderon's minutes at bare minimum though though you have to use wade differently and wade had a couple of just really nice like Dwayne wade plays he had some just beautiful passes one where he completely caught draymond green he turned for a half second and he got the ball right behind him to i think it was kevin love and had that uh tip in where basically he all he had time for was a quick quick flip back in and he, and he made that but Wade's weaknesses in transition defense and as a shooter overall though he did make a couple shots in this game from long two and then he made one three they're going to have to use a lot of these guys exactly right against the Warriors and there will be opportunities to do so but they're going to have to be the lose rotations are going to have to be on point now in a way that they that was not as necessary when they had two guys in LeBron and Kyrie that could really carry them as isolation scored all right we'll get much more into this game talk about uh, the controversial end but first uh this uh, from masterclass we've been talking about steph curry and the value that his shooting brings and now you can learn from steph curry with the online masterclass that'll help you elevate your game i haven't had time to watch the whole thing yet. it's actually uh over four hours of video but i've really enjoyed the first couple lessons already a little old to get out there on the court and, and really apply them to the extent that you really meant to but if you're someone who's actually serious about working on your game and you know someone 
someone who is especially a young player there's nobody else would be better to learn from than Steph he shows you both the common mistakes with shooting analyzes NBA game footage to improve your basketball IQ tons of specific drills the same spreadsheet that he uses to track his progress and if you're not necessarily into basketball or you're into basketball and you also want to get the rest of their classes right now don't on listeners can get Stefan's masterclass or the all access pass which actually for the price of two unlocks every class from over 30 masters at masterclass.com slash cap space that includes classes from bob woodward for investigative journalism i'm really interested to, to check that one out when i have some time because i never had any formal journalistic training that'd be really interesting bob woodward of course is the guy who uh broke the, the watergate scandal essentially so he's uh truly a master at that all kinds of annie leibowitz just uh posted a, a photography master class as well and it's really this isn't just some video they really take you through it and want you to learn it and provide a lot of extra materials like exercises that you can actually do to get better in all of these classes so once again the way to get started with them masterclass.com slash cap space that slash cap space url easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time here on the program you can learn from the best in the world at masterclass.com slash cap space that's masterclass.com slash cap space a few other notes here before we get into the end of this game i really liked cleveland's approach at times against the warriors switching and you won't normally see usually you'll see two smalls trying this but love and in particular thompson as well as tristan thompson when they would set screens that the warriors would switch they would have inside position they also have a great passer in lebron usually and so what they would do is as soon as they felt the switch and that contact they would basically roll right to the rim seal the guy on their back usually a smaller player and use their size advantage to create a passing angle and you know probably four or five times they were able to get nice stuff going to the rim out of those switches i thought it was really impressive from cleveland a team that doesn't usually execute they're not as much into the execution it's kind of okay lebron make a play for us and then you know we'll pass it around to shooters but this is really high level stuff from cleveland that i appreciate yeah i thought they did a nice job there and then something else we singled out in the broadcast was their use of flare screens for the guys that were off a lebron james post up was really really well done because it's just it, it's a, an action that's not used very often and they were generating open looks from good shooters and you're, you're drawing so much attention with lebron james and he can make those passes and so it, it seems like something that makes sense for them and incidentally philadelphia is another team that could, should consider this because they have a bigger guy who can do this is just using the unique strengths of one of your players and then the strengths of your surrounding players to get a good look yeah and if you don't understand what, what danny's talking about they would post up lebron especially when he had someone like mccon and where you know okay he's backing down we have to send help eventually as soon as the help would come then the big on the weak side rather than trying to get to the rim for his own offense would screen to get a corner three for the guy in the opposite corner and they got kevin love some nice looks there as well really some nice execution so it did seem like they had a few things ready for some of the things that the warriors like to do defensively and cleveland having played a lot less than golden state recently was able to kind of install some more golden state specific stuff it seemed like um a few other notes here cleveland while you know jeff green did not play very well he's been good this year by his standards but it was not great uh they did at the end of the game defensively break out a lineup of james crowder green wade and jr smith which is a pretty switchable lineup themselves and the warriors had some trouble scoring against the that group late but you know once isaiah thomas comes back is he not going to play at the end of the game now kevin love that means he's not out there either 
either so we probably won't see too much of that unit at the end of games but it is kind of a pseudo switchy lineup uh that maybe the warriors could struggle with a, a little bit here and then i thought lebron james you know this was not one of his best games whatsoever and this is a great warriors defense but james 20 points 7 of 18 from the field did not have the three ball working at only two of seven and then uh seven turnovers as well as for james only six assists so it was not his best work by any means he was not the best player on the floor that was kevin durant tonight uh played 40 minutes so it was uh what did you think of james performance and why did he struggle more than we've seen when he's really you know we noted during the broadcast that statistically his performance this year is right up there with what steph curry did two years ago he wasn't aggressive enough as a scorer i think was the most basic thing that i took away there were there were times when he got the switch he wanted and was doing a little bit too much dancing which is a criticism i've had of kevin durant over the last couple of years in particular and it and, and so there were there were moments where it was good defense where you know jordan bell or whoever else was staying in front of him but you have an advantage you're lebron james you have an advantage on anybody and also attacking early gives you the ability as the best passer or sh- on the short list in the league of creating something for someone else and so there were a few times and you could say it's because he plays so many minutes or things like that where it just took a little bit too long or he didn't ever press it at all and so that was a i wouldn't say it was a concern he's done so much over his career that you don't you don't sit there and go oh what's wrong with lebron james but it was definitely noticeable especially when now they don't have Kyrie. of course for this game they didn't have isaiah thomas where they need they had so much of the onus on him offensively that at a certain moment you just kind of have to take that mantle and run with it because that's how your team is going to win the game kevin love had a nice one we mentioned he was six of 11 from three and the Cavs stayed in it with that hot three-point shooting compared to that 10 of 37 for the warriors and you could make the argument that the warriors really outplayed the Cavs by a lot more and if golden state hits anything close to their normal percentage of threes but again you know without if you take out what durant and thompson are doing you know this kind of is their normal percentage of threes not hitting very many of many of them so that's a good point here i mean it did seem like golden state was largely in control throughout the game would you agree with that well they had a a rough first quarter they had so they had seven turnovers in that first quarter which was almost as many as they had in the rest of the game combined and so cleveland was able to get out to some opportunities then but i would say after that you know yeah after it was 28 24 after the first yeah, it was 28 24 and i think the warriors had a couple baskets late to, to get it a little bit closer but i think that was a, a bigger a bigger element of that but yeah after that point i would agree with you and it's always interesting when these two teams get together even without isaiah even without steph curry i mean there's just a level of athleticism and intensity that just leaves some players behind in this matchup i mean there's just guys who you find are not able to really be effective at times you know i think jeff green maybe was in that category corver is kind of in that category here as well played 21 minutes was not really able to get open at all in this one only had three points uh darren williams that happened to him last year in the finals it seemed like so and obviously jose calderon who uh if cleveland is lucky will not play a minute during any competitive portion of the nba finals if these teams match up again you know certainly fell into that category as well and for golden state it was just they had to be pleased that jordan bell did not fall into that category as we 
mentioned um <clears throat> Kevon Looney maybe does but he only played three minutes and uh you know they got some decent minutes out of Caspi I thought Sean Livingston although he was two out of three I think he really continues to become a liability and then Nick Young a guy who was kind of signed for the playoffs the theory was that he was better defensively he showed up in camp out of shape he's just too slow he's too fat uh not athletic enough so if he gets switched on to LeBron you know he's just meat every time so I would imagine too that if in a potential finals matchup we wouldn't see a ton of young especially with LeBron on the floor and the Warriors will have to be proactive and judicious about how they use certain players but I think Nick Young can have value in that series you just don't want him on the floor when LeBron's on the floor so if if Lou is more predictable with LeBron's rest maybe you can go in those circumstances but to lose credit to a point and this really depends on player preference they've changed things around periodically so like in this game LeBron and Kevin Love both played the entire first quarter and then sat out at the beginning and Cleveland then couldn't score at all at the beginning of the second quarter but so those picking those spots getting into those moments will be an issue and so you had that real rock fight element at the beginning of the second quarter because the Warriors were playing this lineup with Livingston Iguodala and Green out there I think they'll clean up those rotations a little bit they'll figure all this stuff out but no matter what these games are played with a lot of intensity you saw basically playoff minutes or close to it from a lot of these players which is extremely unusual on Golden State's perspective and I think that's the other part of this that we need yeah. to talk yeah, about well really Draymond was the only guy it, it was 36 and 37 yeah. minutes for KD and Thompson but but so um, the, but the other thing and yeah. and we could have led with this but I, I think it's good to, to kind of put it at this point is Steve Kerr as the head coach of the Golden State Warriors has very rarely shifted his starting lineup in particular based on what the other team yeah. was doing he is I'm gonna yeah. play and my we guys kind of did when we talked about Bell you know be, being the guy who can yeah. play there but yeah I, I agree that was, and that put, was a, great. put a finer and, point and, on it yeah and so yeah. Pachulia was active for this game so lots of people expected he was going to get the start not only did he not get the start he got a dnpcd and he didn't ha- really have much of a place in this because when tristan thompson played he was kevin love's backup for all intents and purposes david west was already out there and so you don't need you know you don't need him to yeah. Pachulia to be out there in those and minutes. david west is better than Pachulia. he is and so that was surprising and it was i guess you could say encouraging because it is just so far from kerr's mo usually when they've made those sorts of adjustments it has been because the other team forced it the memphis series in 2015 they shifted things when memphis took the lead and then when cleveland took the lead or i can't even remember what the what the line was i should know this because i wrote a book that talks about this but when they switched to uh draymond at center in the in the same 2015 playoffs it was based on the other team doing well it was when cleveland up 2-1 that's right right so let's turn now to the end of the game golden state looked uh, as i like to say uh they put cleveland into difficulty taking a nine point lead with 504 remaining uh but then golden state would not score outside of a jordan bell alley-oop off of a nice play where he slipped the screen for clay that they used to run that for bogut back in the day uh but they did not score until a aside from that until a minute 33 remained a a clay thompson three-pointer as cleveland came back they defended extremely well during that period uh part of the problem was that clay thompson was out then and they just really did not have the spacing jordan bell had a travel on a short roll i thought overall he made nice passes but you know he'll turn it over a fair amount i mean considering where he's at as a rookie center he makes the right play most of the time they had some more bad passes uh they missed wide open threes as well um but cleveland was able to get back into it during that period with good defense and so we were tied uh at 92 after a lebron james score and then cleveland had dominated on the offensive glass to that point and golden state actually got 
two key offensive rebounds in the last minute long offensive rebounds the last two minutes i should say and those were critical they were and the warriors first shot offense throughout that about the last five minute stretch their first shot offense was pretty awful i mean they they had a, a couple of looks and one included in this stretch was when kevin durant got a three and it was it was a reasonable look that was with 140 left after lebron tied the game and that one could have gone in but then jordan bell hustled in there got the rebound and basically passed it straight out to clay and clay got the three which put the crowd which put the crowd back into it because they had you know they'd been pretty severely outplayed for about three minutes as cleveland got back in the game and then when cleveland was trying to get things going lebron was lebron was trying to i I think they were were they trying to get it into him i'm trying to remember exactly what it was but iguodala basically kind of saw what was going on and just stuck his foot out and yeah put a little bit more time back on the shot clock but cleveland didn't get a good look out of that yeah that was the the play where we talked about wade causing his own problems with the spacing right that was Dwayne coming in from the weak side trying to cut right as LeBron started his drive and so he brought his man Iguodala right into LeBron James's path and I thought it was interesting too that the Warriors chose to guard LeBron with Kevin Durant rather than Andre Iguodala um and because they were going a little bit bigger than they normally would with Curry out there and with the death lineup I will not call it the Hams five uh that usually Iguodala would be uh, on LeBron instead it was Durant and two controversial plays there with about a minute left where LeBron James lost it out of bounds and then when after that Thompson three LeBron was blocked uh, really a double block by KD a lot of people trying to say whether it was a foul or not the first one was clearly a foul or uh, LeBron drove and Durant just reached in on him across his body didn't make contact with the ball but caused James to lose it out of bounds that was a clear foul and the officials missed that call right and and it was one of those unfortunate circumstances where they reviewed the play but they couldn't review the part of the play that they actually screwed up yeah. no that one i don't think they even reviewed that was just like so obviously out of bounds off lebron that they just you know sent it the other way the second one was we thought initially was a foul and if you only looked at the baseline view they kind of cut off the top of it and you couldn't see that katie came down from the top and actually made contact with lebron's hand which was on the ball at the time and then blocked it again as he came down you could see that from the view from the rim camera and so we kind of changed our tune on the show we're like oh actually no that was a good block we were uh, you know like i can't believe they didn't call this foul but then we saw that replay and like oh that was actually a a good call and then they knocked it off lebron i mean that was the key play right there cleveland uh, was forced to foul at that point and then that's basically the only way clay thompson gets to the free throw line but clay made those two free throws uh, after they after they ended up getting the ball inbounds and then made two more which which basically salted away the game and so yeah you you really did see the warriors first shot offense i mean you also had the play where uh they basically couldn't get anything and ended up being in the last minute jordan bell chucking up a three because the shot clock was about to expire and so you had a couple of those just shaky possessions but they they held firm defensively one was on a, obviously a foul that wasn't called but i thought overall they, they they settled in after getting pretty pretty strongly outplayed after that especially the kevin love and jake crowder back-to-back threes with a turnover sandwiched in between yeah and obviously with curry available the whole tenor of this thing is going to change the warriors barely if at all took advantage of kevin love they did have love out high against kevin durant when love was involved in pick and roll defense durant did a nice job of finding guys like bell and draymond and bell generally made good decisions but then the warriors would just miss the open three that resulted um but you know kevin love is going to look a lot worse when steph curry is out there running that pick and roll um and they have even more playmaking on the floor and they can get kd not as the initiator 
theater quite as often um anything else you wanted to say on this one before we move on no i think that's about it so we'll move on to the other game we we covered in, in some detail for the for the twitter nba show and that was houston oklahoma city oklahoma city ended up pulling it out 112 107 and one of the big elements of this game was russell westbrook westbrook started the game really struggling as a shooter from the field he did have a ton of assists early he was he was two for 11 at one point. yeah he was two for 11 and then after that point he was 10 of 13 and was was hitting and it, it, it wasn't necessarily though he did have a couple of finishes at the at the rim there and we'll talk about the robertson plays that led to that but he was taking shots within his comfort zone and he w- he was converting them more and oklahoma city they they brought their defense pretty well overall in this game but it was their offense that kind of came and went and what when westbrook was on then that part of it was a lot more consistent but also the other big takeaway for me was that they are going to have to make some of these tough shots like i think carmelo anthony had had a bunch of shots in this game where they're hard he can make those shots but that is how they're going to have playoff series they're going to have at least one playoff series that swings based on difficult shots yeah and westbrook uh you know for all his brilliance he had a shitty game because he only had six uh, rebounds so i guess we can just stop talking about him um yeah but outstanding work from him overall 31 points 12 of 24 from the field got to the foul line more which he had not and he really pushing the ball in transition was a key for him as well in his 37 minutes uh houston not a great team at getting back uh <laughs> it was uh that by the way that play that harden had which was hilarious because he like tried to trip robertson as robertson was going to get back on defense and then houston just had like a four on five the whole possession and missed a, a crazy three like harden never came back and, and that was in the final so minute like that wasn't that just play. like in the middle of the game that was in the final minute houston i think was down three or five at that point and harden harden went down on the play and just grabbed robertson it was insane um well so, so i think and really the other thing yeah the other it, thing i think I we should too, yeah. talk about is yeah. the andre robertson element of this game i mean it, there is a, a just a massive question with him because he is such a wonderful defensive player he is a man-to-man defender i think he made like you when a guy has a rough night shooting like harden did three of 11 from three seven of 18 from the field of course he made a ton of free throws that's james harden so he still had an he still had an efficient night despite shooting seven of 18 from the field with 29 points 14 assists and one turnover but robertson can do it as a man-to-man defender he can do it as a team defender but you're basically playing four on five on offense and so billy donovan like scott brooks before him but especially donovan these last two years has to figure out whether the the juice is worth the squeeze with him and that became even more complicated when late in the game mike d'antoni started fouling him intentionally yeah and uh he ended up splitting both of them although one of them was a bank and then the second was was an air ball and then he actually made the the fourth of them after really missing badly again uh, on the third and then they did in fact take robertson out in favor of jeremy grant and then put him back in but uh, robertson's defense was outstanding and uh he was a game high plus 14 in this game so as much as you want to complain about him he really made life difficult uh, for james harden i thought harden did get to the foul line but could not do so late and uh, with his 29 points and 14 assists uh, i thought he really struggled only nearly all of his three pointers he was three for 11 on threes were contested and i thought it was interesting this is a, a theme of this one to me uh, to some degree is i've been skeptical of harden you know and he was great in this game like those pocket passes are, are just unbelievable that he throws to the role guy capella usually in particular but you know against the best guys harden has been like this unbelievable iso player and he does not have the ability to get great shots in isolation against really good defenders like paul george or robertson now you can hope to get the switch and they would do that sometimes but as 
especially with Paul out, you know, it did devolve really for Houston late in this one offensively after a nice start. And they only ended up with 19 points in the fourth quarter in part because I don't think Harden was able to be the driver of the offense down the end against a team with all these long defenders who can switch onto him. Beyond the switching, which is certainly an important part of this, just that they have so many guys that can do a credible job on a switch, especially compared to most teams. They have two guys as primary offenders that can do a, that can do a great job. I mean, Robertson was the main guy and did a, a, a great job, but I thought some of the best defensive possessions on Harden one-on-one defense were by Paul George. George sure. had that huge game where he shut down Victor Oladipo. He can do that. And so we talked in the Cleveland game about how the Warriors had so many guys they could throw at LeBron credibly. And OKC, that's part of their MO. And it's different because they don't have as many guys to throw at Chris Paul if you were out there and just the amount of looks that you can have between those two guys. But in these sorts of a circumstance, they can make life hard on James Harden. And also, even if he gets one of those guys in foul trouble, they have the other one and then they have wings to kind of fill in the gaps of the other points. And OKC at certain moments was exploited by Carmelo Anthony's defense, but I didn't think Houston went to that quite enough. And some of that is personnel, but I I thought that they could have done more there and teams are going to have to and likely will when we get into the playoffs. Yeah. Now you can also just point to the fact that OKC made shots. They shot 55%, only got up 18 three-point attempts. And, you know, as much as we've lamented their sorry offense, that was not the case today and George was 8 of 15 he played 41 minutes by the way uh, Carmelo was 8 of 12 and those guys were able to hit uh, their mid-rangers uh, those guys also combined to go 6 out of 11 uh, from 3 6 of their 8 uh, three-point makes uh, yeah if you want to say the Warriors have trouble making three-pointers outside of their main guys <laughs> wait till you get to OKC uh, but the big stat here is that they were 14 out of 24 on twos outside the paint and Westbrook as well did not have the mid-ranger working early but then he was pushing in transition out of pick and roll getting guys backing up pulling up on to a shot that he can get to anytime and I think it's important for him that that shot be you know a 16 footer instead of a 20 footer you know that's a much easier shot for him and that even that shot had not been falling I think he was at like 30 percent on mid-rangers this year but in the last five games or so it has been falling and that's why he's been able to be a lot more effective now the other thing that was very interesting down the end was the thunder going to that pack pet I should say hawk set that we've seen so much of and while Russell Westbrook had really been controlling the action a ton in the clutch of late I think Billy Donovan got to him to some degree to say hey you know what like you got to run this for Carmelo sometimes we got to run it for PG sometimes and they did get those guys touches down the end in a way that they had not say in that game against the Jazz and I think that helped energize those players and Melo had I remember at least one two in that late stretch that helped really kind of swing the margin yeah and and by the way to refresh real quickly on what that hawk set is they have paul george get a back screen from carmelo anthony at the elbow while uh westbrook is on the wing then they bring george out a double pin down on the weak side while carmelo and russell westbrook run a pick and roll with each other and you can get carmelo a pick and pop look going to the baseline there you can get russell westbrook to the middle you can run george off the pin down and you know they still don't execute very well especially when they're tired they don't make contact on the screens they don't do their cuts really hard but it still even just forces everyone else to move and kind of be involved and it also takes away from the fact that Robertson can't shoot because he's setting a screen for George on the weak side so you can't get quite as much help there and it's a nice set you know they go to it so often that but it it puts
puts uh, some difficult choices on the defense and the Rockets uh, were out executed I think down the stretch by the Thunder but you know it also helps when you just make shots like we've talked about it was a, an interesting game from Stephen Adams because there were moments where he was just getting offensive rebounds and being pretty dominant but then there were other stretches where you, you look at it and you're like wow he really played 39 minutes where you kind of he, he lost a little it a little bit some of that is just the nature of, of Houston's offense because they can get those threes and so he's not affecting shots at the rim because they're not shooting shots at the rim and he didn't get in a ton of foul trouble which is a little bit of a surprise he had one and it was more the perimeter players Paul George had some but he, it didn't really affect the outcome so that and then but there were times when he beasted Clint Capella but then Capella is just in such a wonderful circumstance with Houston because Harden is an unbelievable passer Chris Paul when he's out when he's out there is as well and so they let Capella do what he's best at and he had that one play that you really liked where he got the ball kind of underneath the basket and was able to get back out to where he could actually shoot it and, and make a shot and that and that's a, a challenging thing when you're running against like I think there were two Thunder guys that he had to go between in order to get space and Capella needs to do those kind of basic things but he's gotten so much better at that as a part of his skill development in the last couple of years yeah and Capella playing 30 minutes nine out of 14 from the field for 19 points he had five offensive boards of his own and yeah he just has a very slippery knack and he also can get up for some of these alley-oops I mean they'll throw some of these oops and he gets up there and he's just hanging in the air catching it on the way down still seemingly up up by the square and finishing it a couple of those coming in from the baseline as well where just the longer that window is the higher you can throw that pass in the air to him the easier it is so he is a very valuable player as a finisher to be sure also interesting we've discussed it now quite a few times the depth for Houston they played eight guys Briante Weber coming off the bench uh, for 18 minutes he actually was plus one one of my absolute favorite guys to watch as a defender maybe one of my favorites of all time in the G League he basically has been averaging like four steals a game in his career which is like unheard of for anyone at a professional level but uh, Weber not really at an NBA level as an offensive player you know I think they just felt like hey we're gonna try and defend you know they even played him with Harden at times just because they need some bodies out there but it's either you know it's either Weber or Jackson or or Demetrius Jackson or Bobby Brown neither of whom is really an upgrade there so at least they're willing to play these guys a, a little bit and Trevor Ariza is the guy who really has been having to play a ton of minutes with Mute out uh he played 43 um and we also saw that PJ Tucker not really effective offensively in this one although he did have four steals uh he only got up one three-point attempt which uh, again you know you would hope that he could get a, a few more of those given the fact that they're not really guarding him that much and speaking of not really guarding him that much something that struck me about this game is just how many players OKC has in the rotation right now that oh god are that you just can help off of and Houston uses that differently because they want to give James Harden as much rest as possible but how other teams have approached that in recent years is by putting a good defender on those players and just allowing them to more capably muck everything up and Harden has had some big steal games he had a couple of steals in this one as well but that will be just such a massive challenge for them when you get into a seven game series and Andre Robertson Josh Hustis who played a lot in this game Jeremy Grant you know Grant has a little bit more just because he can get up but those guys you don't have to respect their jump shots you can deal with them as cutters because you're already going to have guys around the rim because OKC is playing Steven Adams a lot and there will be times that there just won't be enough space for everybody else to operate and it's not like they have the best shooters of their big three where you could say oh well if the paint is packed they can still get a ton of baskets Westbrook can get his mid-range pull-ups anyway but there will be games when their offense is just going to look atrocious 
atrocious. Yeah, and they really, I mean, the fact that Carmelo can't play the three anymore, that really limits how much you can use. Patrick Patterson, who has looked a little bit better, but in general, you know, he only played nine minutes in this one. And Grant is probably the best offensive option of uh, that big three. But, you know, I think when you look at Billy Donovan's options, he says, okay, we're going to rely on Carmelo and Paul George and Westbrook to make shots. You, even if we have these guys on the floor who can't shoot, you're not going to be able to stop us, especially if we're hitting the long twos. So, you know what? You guys go score. I know it's not going to be incredibly easy for you, but you guys are big enough stars to do that. And now we're just going to stop you on the other end. And while Houston had a great first three quarters, uh, they wore down and only had 19 points uh, in the fourth. Well, um, and OKC has it, a good enough defense. Yeah. yeah, OKC has a good enough defense to make that gamble worth it. Yes. Like that That's what's different here. You need to be at a certain level where you can say, we're going to get enough stops to get transition looks and to, to survive this. And Oklahoma City, we've said it since the first week of the season. Their defense is absolutely unequivocally for real. They didn't get tested in the same way in this game as they would have with Chris Paul and James Harden out there, but they have the personnel and the effort to really put the clamps down on, on anybody in the league. And this latest Chris Paul groin injury, the Rockets now have lost three straight. The Warriors after had won 11 straight and then they lost against Denver, but pulled this out. Now, Golden State is actually projected to finish five wins ahead of Houston, whereas they were projected to be tied not less than a week ago. So with despite James Harden's best effort, he'd put up two 50-point games in a row in losses prior to this one. The Rockets not quite able to stay afloat. And Paul did some warm-ups looking like he could be back relatively shortly here, did not play, obviously, in this game. But this is this last week or so it has been pretty key. Steph Curry is coming back for the Warriors, and you expect uh, with Golden State now having a, a one-game lead, they're tied in the loss column right now, that the Warriors will start to create some distance, and that perhaps now maybe that can enable the Rockets, if it looks like they're not going to get home court, to kind of chill out a little bit more and stop playing these guys. So I mean, it's a reason in particular, you know, you've got to worry about him breaking down. He's been playing like 43 minutes a game. And this might be a premature transition, but Houston's next two games are on the road against the two teams that played in the next game we're going to talk about boston and washington uh it is not premature we can get to that uh but first uh let me tell you uh, about audible i've been an audible customer since 2005 and the way to get started with them is audible.com slash cap space or you can text cap space to 500-500 that'll get you a free audio book with your 30-day trial today and i've really been enjoying it just for sports books that i want to read i finished dream team recently by jack mccallum that was just a, a great book to read i, I you know as i'm doing the dishes or i was cleaning up around the house prior to my family coming in i got a family staying with me right now and listening to that book was perfect or you know if you're on a long car trip we're actually listening my fiance and i we drove up to tahoe a couple days ago we're listening to my favorite book the great santini which we've both really been enjoying that's a, a great audible performance so it is a great way to pass the time when you maybe need a little bit more of an escape than uh podcasts that might provide they offer an unmatched selection of audiobooks they also have original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters entertainers magazine and newspaper publishers and business information providers unlike a streaming or rental service with audible you own your books and you can access them anytime anywhere right from your smartphone once again just go to audible.com slash cap space or text cap space to 500-500 to get a free audiobook with 30-day trial today i won't 
won't spend quite as much time on these last three games but i thought boston and washington the most interesting of the day what do you have on this one in a macro sense this could be the beginning of something truly fascinating with the wizards because boston you know they've they've had some offensive games i mean they've been fueled by their defense still being really strong but late in this one washington went with five smaller guys so they went with markeith morris and kelly Oubre as their four and five and boston could not get reliable looks and they weren't really converting those and so washington was able to take what what had become a close game and just get it a lot more comfortable and they ended up winning it 111 103 and if that is for real if they can do that more more consistently it gives them a look that is very hard to counter without a different kind of talent yeah in some you know i was thinking about this and it looked really good obviously against boston now boston over their last 15 games they've kind of settled into what we thought that they would be uh 2.3 net rating only nine and six uh they obviously had that great start uh, of 16 and two it worked against boston because boston doesn't really have people that they want to go to in an iso who have size and strength right so this wizards lineup a lot of guys who could switch on to Kyrie Irving and it was the Kyrie show down the end of this game he was not able to come through as we've seen a little bit more recently after he had such a hot start to the year as a clutch player against Cleveland I don't know if that strategy works as well it's probably better than you know going with Gortat at center but you still got Wall Beal Porter even is not strong enough Ubre is not strong enough to deal with LeBron whereas Boston doesn't really have those guys and they aren't really going to go to those guys like a, a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum maybe can be those guys at some point but Brad Stevens doesn't like to run the ISO stuff and it's been the Kyrie show late in games so they just did not get any good shots down the end of this game and it was a big Wizards run Boston led it 90 to 95 and then Washington won on a 12-0 run in which really they only got one decent shot which was a Kyrie Irving miss layup and then they got a couple of free throws and another Kyrie layup but it still just wasn't good enough and meanwhile at the other end I thought that the Wizards weren't really getting great shots themselves but they were getting enough stops that they're able to get out in transition defense and then they got on the offensive glass and really beat them with transition and effort while stopping them on the other and that was the formula for Washington late in this one it was also a game that would have been inconceivable for Bradley Beal a few years ago where he had 25 points on 29 shooting possessions but didn't make a single three he was 0 for 6 from three created a few nice shots for teammates ended up only with two assists I think there were a couple more that got blown by by teammates missing it but I thought it was nice to see him contribute in different sorts of ways and Kelly Oubre you know sometimes the idea of like kind of where he fits in with this team gets gets garbled because of Otto Porter and they just gave Otto Porter a lot of money but I think the answer to this is just playing those two guys together I don't think they're competing for minutes I think you want to give them you want to give both of them minutes and if you can do that without sacrificing the offensive glass and actually that ties in with something else we have to talk about in this game which was at pivotal moments Boston's defensive rebounding which seemed a little bit like fool's gold for in the early part of the season when they were doing so well they were getting beat oftentimes by these small wizards lineups to to rebounds yeah, yeah they, they were getting out hustled and for a boston team that doesn't play as many minutes as some of these guys on washington do that was certainly disappointing and the wizards ended up with 14 offensive rebounds including those ones we mentioned late and really i thought washington outplayed boston even more it's just they only went six out of 26 on threes whereas boston managed 14 of 29 terry rozier four out of six smart was two out of four and 
some guys who wouldn't normally be hitting those shots quite as well and I thought still that like the Celtics offense was not amazing in this one um they really other than Kyrie doing stuff you know they don't quite have the guys who are creating separation and interesting to note that Al Horford you know usually a linchpin of this team was negative 20 in this game and that showed I think that the Wizards did not in fact have difficulty dealing with uh, the Celtics small lineup and so Marcus Morris did come back he struggled was was one out of seven you know I think he's going to be a big part of them this for them at the end especially if you know he can maybe play instead of Marcus Smart give them a little more size offensively a little more shooting offensively but Morris has not been there yet he missed a couple of weeks with that knee injury so maybe the hope is that he can get back give them a little more isolation scoring as well though he is a little bit selfish sometimes trying to get to those isolation post-ups on the wing instead of going to screen um what else did you see in this one Jason Tatum showed some of the the pieces in his offensive toolbox he would he only took two threes but made both those had a, a really nice behind the back and transition on Otto Porter and he the only reason he missed the dunk off of it was that Jody Meeks ran into him and, and caused a foul he has that that talent I I you know you still want to see how it all gets put together with him but he's 19 I mean he, he's gonna be a talent and also Jalen Brown with about a minute and a half left I didn't even notice this live I just saw a, a, a tweet from Jared Weiss that Jalen Brown left this game on crutches so he there was uh I, I don't know exactly I think he ran into Markeith Morris like there was it was a needed like some something involving knees so want to keep an eye on that I don't have any any news on it but when a guy as important as as Jalen Brown is to a team leaves on crutches I want to mention it yeah it, a leg injury is all we know about it uh, right now no details yet uh it was only one crutch uh, in fact he left on crutch <laughs> yeah um but yeah so we don't have an update yet uh, on what happened uh, to Brown uh a few other notes uh, on this one John Wall 14 assists again Washington had the transition advantage they also really beasted in the paint 60 points in the paint I also want to talk about Kelly Oubre's defense which has really improved and one of the things that he's been really good at they had him guarding smart a fair amount of the time is he can cover a lot of ground he's got a 7-2 wingspan and so Boston loves to run a lot of stuff with bigs pick and popping to three pick and popping to the elbow DHO where they pop back out and so Oubre was very effective stunting over from the weak side disrupting those pick and pop jumpers and still being able to get back to someone like smart and then he's a a terror in transition as well really a very effective player you know it's just if he and Porter were just like both a little bit stronger I think they could really go somewhere defensively with this group against Cleveland but I think they just don't quite have the matchup against LeBron um another thing we talked about too is just how much better Washington's bench is this year than last year when they just were mauled in the playoff series against Boston because their bench was so off and this wasn't the best game for Washington's bench but you know there was that there was a really rough stretch I think there was was that early in the second quarter when the when the Wizards just were having trouble but other than yeah, that it, they I think they've done a they've done a pretty good job and you know and, and guys like Sadoransky and Jody Beeks are are and Yamahimi didn't play much in this game because there wasn't much of a place for him Daniel Tice actually did well yeah. off the bench but those guys are, are better this year and I think they can be utilized in a way that is more productive and if they if Mike Scott who wasn't great in this game can be anything like he's been in the last two weeks then that's another big boon yeah and Ubre 16 points on 7 to 13 you know he's so massively improved to get 32 good minutes out of him it is nice you mentioned Scott Sadoransky I mean you remember Brandon Jennings who's now out of the league was their upgrade at backup point guard over Trey 
Freeberg uh, last season. I mean, they even were had to play Jennings and, and Wall together. And you remember at the end of that game seven, you know, they just basically had to play Wall and Beal the entire second half. And though, you know, John Wall was walking around the court uh, by the end uh, on defense because he was so exhausted. And so even Mahimi, you know, he's not great, but he's at least giving them more than Jan Mahimi did last year. You know, they haven't don't have to rely on Jason Smith. They even have Tim Frazier, who is not terrible, but he's been supplanted by Sadaransky lately. So they've got more size as well. So yeah, this is actually like, you know, a reasonable bench now for this Wizards unit, which, uh, you know, has had some legendary struggles over the last couple of years with their bench guys. Anything else on this game or do you want to move on? No, why don't we uh, hit on Philly and New York briefly? Uh, Big takeaway in this one to me was Philly just finding a way. You know, I mean, they are just so limited right now in terms of their shooting. JJ Reddick came back and he is just incredibly important to this team as of course is Joel Embiid but I mean, when you see some plus minus numbers like this uh Redick 27 minutes plus 25 and Embiid 34 minutes plus 25 24 and 25 points respectively for those gentlemen and I mean Redick's the only guy who can shoot because Covington you know ever since he uh, missed a couple of games with that back contusion really has not had the touch from outside and, and he kind of limped to the bench did not close this game instead it was TJ McConnell and he was outstanding in his 29 minutes. Yeah, I mean, McConnell in 29 minutes, 15 points, including two of four from three, four assists, five rebounds, two steals, was just was just active. And they and they need that. And in a game when Ben Simmons wasn't as productive as a shooter, but also as a playmaker, they you need that you need that talent and that shot creation from wherever you can get it. For the Knicks, uh, Ennis Cantor, I mean, this is probably a career high in minutes for him. 36 minutes. He had 31 points, 22 rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds uh and Porzingis had, can, had five of his own can we count 11 offensive rebounds and 11 defensive rebounds as like an honorary triple double because that's genuinely impressive <laughs> to get 10 uh. to get 10 of each and and with especially with the 31 points on top of it I mean Canner he had a, a he had some monstrous stretches in that game against Boston that we that we did for the Twitter NBA show and at his best he's a different kind of undeniable offensively only but he had those moments for stretches of this game yeah and the offensive rebound rate 33 percent overall i mean Cantor's personal offensive rebound rate was enormous in this one and in his Cantor, i mean ever since uh, he went to okc it's been very clear that uh, as a center you know he is a wonderful offensive player uh he's a, a great finisher around the rim despite you know not having a ton of explosion you know he looks slimmed down even more this year and you you mentioned the offensive rebounding you know of course defensively is not that great but this is a team in philly that's not really capable of taking advantage of someone like Cantor's limitations in pick and roll defense because they just don't have anyone who's a great pick and roll player right now and Ben Simmons has not been that lately you know we, we really need to talk uh, I think about his struggles uh, of, of late at some point soon uh and then they don't have the spacing around those pick and rolls either so if you don't have that Ennis Cantor can actually be okay and you know I thought his defense on Joel Embiid wasn't amazing but it was good enough and the Knicks are in this in this strange place because you're trying to figure out well what parts of their team are going to be a part of the next good great Knicks team and they'll have a lot of guys under contract at that point because they they just the way that they've done it but I mean Porzingis is is the one definite and Frank Nokina has some moments this wasn't his best game two of eight from the field had a couple of nice passes but still it wasn't the the overall effort that like performance from him that you want to that you want to see the the Knicks point guard play killed them this game Jared Jack was awful he just had so many record scratches in this one where he had open three 
three-pointers and just he will not even you know in his prime with golden state he wouldn't take threes now he really won't take them um and then nilakina only two out of eight so those guys combined uh, two for 13 and nilakina struggled with uh tj mcconnell as well and getting back to mcconnell he actually was two of four on three-pointers he only takes threes from the corner and it takes him an hour to get off but you know it was still useful and he also is just physical going across the lane for that short little jump shot i thought that was good and let's get to simmons now i mean he has had a lot of games of strange passivity of late you could say i mean only eight shot attempts in this one only three assists eight points uh oh of two from the foul line what's going on with him i think it is i mean i remember talking with various players over the course of the of the course of the time about just how how big a grind it is for the season i i could imagine that this isn't necessarily a rookie wall for him but just just getting into where teams are getting more used to what he does well they don't have as much spacing as they want to have long term so he's running up against a different kind of resistance and i mean yeah you you see he had this game where he only took eight shot attempts against sacramento in another game they lost that was a game mb didn't play in if memory serves he only had six shot attempts in that game he did make five of those but he only had six shot attempts and then right and then he he, so so he as a as a shot maker he's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive and you see that permeating into his passing as well he's just not getting as much into the into the situations where it's causing panic for the defense i i'm not worried about him long term in that sort of a way but you you it's not that that possession by possession you have to account for him you know like with extra eyes like it was at moments earlier in the season yeah and and really he's another guy who's going to suffer immensely from the lack of of spacing and the acquisition of trevor booker trevor booker is you know a decent nba rotation big in the right system not a starting level of player but the numbers with he and Embiid together on the floor something Derek Bodner highlighted recently have not been good you know he's not really a fit with Embiid he's not a fit he's an even worse fit really with Amir Johnson you know there was one play that really highlighted kind of the all right what's really the point of getting this guy where he tried to post up against a mismatch and ended up missing the shot and Embiid is sitting out at the three-point line you know, and it's just like man you know getting another guy in here who doesn't have three-point range I mean that's the last thing this Philly team needed and you know Timothy Luau Cabrera was supposed to be a guy who could make shots you know that hasn't really happened at all uh Jared Bayless can make shots but he provides absolutely nothing else on either end can't pass doesn't get to the rim not a good defensive player either uh McConnell doesn't shoot threes um Covington has been off lately Sharich was 4 15 0 for 6 on threes in this one and so Philly got enough to win I mean this is a nice win against a Knicks team that has been very solid at home so far and the Knicks I think play 15 of their next 20 on the road now uh I mean I kept waiting for like okay when are they gonna play a road game and then like seems like every game's still at MSG but yeah if Simmons if he's basically playing as like a three man and you got a four and a five who are gonna be in the lane he's just not gonna be able to be effective there just isn't the space for him to attack and you know teams are kind of ready for him in transition but it's really about the space for him right now and the Sixers there is an element of this that is the long game because now Colangelo has the information necessary to say okay this is where we need to go with not only the draft picks that they have because they have the the Lakings pick which is probably going to be the Lakers pick this year it looks like at this point their own pick and the cap space and so basically you just need you need two-way guys but you need guys that can shoot and guys that can space the floor because Covington probably isn't all the way of the insanity that he was as an offensive player early in the season but if he's even close to that then that can be a real big help and I don't think Dario Saric is necessarily what he was as a shooter in the year he's also better 
better than the 0 for 6 he was from 3 in this game. So they need to go in a very specific direction with that to make life easier on Simmons so that as he develops, he just gets put in his circumstances to succeed. And of course, Joel Embiid helps that because Joel Embiid is a monster. Yeah, that's certainly the case. And it was discussed uh, ably by Carol Lawson on the broadcast just how difficult it was to finish it inside for either team with it. Embiid. He had just this ridiculous block from out of nowhere uh, on Neil Aquina's drive uh, to the basket. And then Porzingis had five blocks uh, of his own. And this is a tough matchup because with Porzingis uh, at the four, now he was able to guard a non-shooter, at least for this game, in Sharich, uh, who's been a non-shooter lately, we should say. And so, you know, Simmons just is not going to be able to score in, in there over Porzingis. I thought Porzingis offensively in this game, it was interesting, only two three-point attempts. And in fact, the Knicks uh, in the first half only had five three-point attempts. They finished four of 15 for the game. They really had to get more of those. Uh, and then Porzingis was six of 19, did get to the foul line for 14 attempts, 22 points, uh, but it took him 26 shooting possessions to get there. A lot of switching from the Sixers. There's really only one huge advantage matchup there for Porzingis, which was when he would get Bayless on him or Redick and made a couple of nice shots just turning over him. Those guys at the foul line had an and one on Bayless, but it wasn't the greatest game for Porzingis and it would have been nice to see more of the pick and pop from three, but that just becomes so hard still because the Knicks don't have a point guard who can hurt you in that situation. And so teams, you know, are able to stick much more closely to Porzingis in those situations. And while he was more of a two than a one in this game, it was another reminder of, oh God, the Knicks are paying Ron Baker for another year at like $4 million. And he was, he just didn't provide value very much. He had a couple passes, but other than that, I, I didn't think he was super impactful defensively either in this one. Yeah, Mike Beasley, after that unbelievable game on Thursday that we did the Tour NBA show on, back to earth with uh, 10 points on 13 shooting possessions. Uh, and we should also, we'd be remiss in not highlighting the year that Courtney Lee is having. He has expanded his game, uh, working more in pick and roll, especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. out with the limitations they have at point guard. So uh, 20 points for Lee on only 14 shooting possessions. He was uh, outstanding. And uh, actually, uh, someone was texting me today with the idea that the Knicks, although they probably will be limited to the mid-level exception, unless they could work a potential sign and trade, uh, they might be a very interesting Isaiah Thomas destination uh, if Thomas uh, can get healthy and ends up not staying in Cleveland. He's generally a little bit too old for a, a true make-good contract, but he would be so awesome on the Knicks for a year if he, he did that like with a player option just in case the hip injury is worse than expected. I think he'll have better off options than that but I would love to see it his chemistry with these guys he would supercharge their offense and they have enough rim protection that I think defensively they can make it work last game of the day now uh, Minnesota and the Lakers this one we won't spend as much time on because the, the Lakers were so short-handed in this game missing Ingram Lonzo Ball is going to miss at least a, a week with a, a shoulder injury and also Brooke Lopez is out for quite some time as well so missing three starters and the Laker offense really fell apart especially when Kyle Kuzma was out of the game he played 41 minutes and was awesome with 31 points we'll talk more detail about his night but it was early in the fourth quarter as Tom Thibodeau went to a starter heavy unit and uh that's one advantage of playing your guys a lot of minutes is they get to go against backups and when you've got Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler out there playing against Alex Caruso Tyler Ennis Corey Brewer Larry Nance and Julius Randle yeah you're gonna actually go on a nice run and they did 11-0 and that was the game and it was a run that they went on when Luke Walton wasn't 
playing Andrew Bogut at the start of each quarter against Carl or start of each half at, against Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I mean that, that was an interesting decision. I thought to start Bogut. I mean, he does like to go to the traditional unit. Then Bogut was negative fourteen in his fifteen minutes. Um, you know, I, I've not really cared for that. Now, you know, of course, Towns if he's going to get up against Kuzma or or even Randall, he's one of the few guys that you really need traditional center size to battle in the post. But then Towns, of course, can also space out your traditional center. That's why Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best offensive players in the NBA. Uh, um, I still think that even with the limitations, just to get either Clarkson or Kuzma out there, or even KCP, who did not have a good shooting game and has been off lately, but someone who can do something off the dribble, I mean, and get some spacing. I mean, to get Caruso, Brewer, and Nance together, I mean, that is just an execrable trio of guys that you just, you have no playmaking and no spacing. I mean, you're just not going to score even against Minnesota. Somebody else that I want to single out for praise in this game was Tyus Jones. I thought he did a, had some really nice minutes especially in the fourth quarter the only reason he came out I I thought he he did a really nice job compared to what Jeff Teague did not that Teague played a a horrible game by any stretch but I just thought Jones did better was he threw to this just horrendous alley-oop pass and so they they took him out but I thought Jones did well he doesn't need to be more than a backup point guard at this point but it, it, it could be useful for them to have somebody who's a little bit more capable in case especially if Teague goes down to for any period of time due to an injury yeah and they did not miss a beat when Teague did miss time uh, with I believe was Achilles soreness yeah uh, but and, and I would still like to see Jones and Teague together to some degree in bench units that might be a way to get Jimmy Butler just a, a little more rest at least um talk about uh, Kuzma's night here six of 11 from three although eight of 18 overall but also got to the foul line for nine out of 13 for his 31 points uh Kuzma rarely turns it over only had two turnovers despite it, all those uh, shot attempts four assists as well we haven't seen him pass it that much I think what I've liked the most from him is his just continued versatility shooting the three ball I mean for a guy of his height he really gets that off quickly now whether it's in pick and pop with that footwork I mean he's hitting shots on the move in transition extremely quick release he has the green light from Luke Walton and that is a major problem that sets up a lot of his offense uh what I'd like to see more of from him actually uh in addition to the shooting where he can also come off of screens as well and it was a tough matchup for guys like Jang and Gibson but you know he can also get into the post and they only ran I think three iso slash post-ups for him tonight especially when you have a limited offensive team I would have liked to have seen even more of that from him because he is a great face-up guy great jabs up he blew by Taj Gibson on one of those it really looks pretty good whenever he actually can get into his iso game so the versatility that he shows as an offensive player it has been very impressive so far and you know he I still want to kind of see where he fits in on a real team you know the defense has been a problem especially from a health perspective he's going to be playing it at the four but you know these are he continues to put up I mean dominating offensive performances you know he had this is his second 30 point game in the last week against two teams that are in the top four in the west and this is true to a point of Jason Tatum another guy who is who has outperformed expectations offensively Kuzma is, is older which is a significant factor here is the building blocks are so good there his footwork for a a rookie forward is some of the best I can remember seeing and that's in the post and some and some of it is getting like getting to the three-point line some of his catch and shoot footwork is really nice too and he has all of that 
that. And his handle is going to get a little bit better with time. We, I want to see more of him as a passer. He did have those four assists in this game. And so when you think about, okay, how do you take what he is right now? And then you count for if, he, you know, if some of this efficiency just drops off because he's been so incredible so far, but what he can be moving forward. And so the defensive part, if he can get up to passable, but then offensively, I mean, just adding more to his game, becoming, I, I don't think you're ever going to have the ball in his hands enough to be a true primary option. He can be a lead. He can be a, a very big score, but that's a little bit of a different thing, but he can make an offense sing. And having that at the power forward spot is a real competitive advantage because then you can still build wings and a center with defense around that. And it's survivable more than if he played a different position. He's the best offensive player in the Lakers right now. And it's not even close. Like it, it is not even remotely close. He's shooting 41% from downtown, already 143 attempts. And he's shooting 55% on twos. His touch around the rim, his floater game is outstanding. 600 true shooting, but you know, only 22% usage. And if I'm the Lakers right now, let's find out what this guy can do. Let's load him up. Let's give him more opportunities to attack in isolation. Let's run more plays for him. Let's let him run four or five pick and rolls when we have a traditional center in the game. Let's run some screens, run him off of screens for three pointers in the corner. Like, let's see what this guy can do. He's continued to, and this is a terrible offense. You know, you got a guy who I think, you know, seems like he can keep handling more and more as it goes on. I mean, the only thing he's not doing from an offensive standpoint is getting to the foul line much right now. Let this guy eat. I mean, he doesn't turn it over either. Like, let's see what he is capable of. Where does the efficiency start to drop off? How real is this? Uh, Let's see if this guy can be a real building block or is he just going to be kind of like a bench scorer? There's also the benefit of doing it in this year when the primary goal for the Lakers should be evaluation. They do not have their own draft pick, but that does not mean you push yeah. as hard as you can. It would be can. nice to win some games to, to look good in sure. agency, but I think it looks better if you know Kyle Kuzma averages uh, over 20 points a game for the rest of the year I think it d- on good efficiency. And, and none of the guys that they will probably be going after are a straight four. You know, some of the guys can play some four, but they th- that's not their primary position, so he can fit in well. And the fact that he's doing it without being a truly ball-dominant player, I think is it speaks well that some a guy that you would like to play with in a lot of different circumstances. So yeah, let's see where he goes. They have Memphis, the Clippers, and the Rockets this week. Be fun to, to get a little bit more out there. And then, of course, they're going to go all over the map after that. And so, yeah, th- this is going to be an interesting Lakers run. I haven't heard a timeline yet with Brandon Ingram. And Lonzo, I believe, is out for about a week. And then they're going to look at him at that point. So let's see what Kyle Kozma can do. Yeah, the latest on Ingram has a right quad contusion and left quad tendonitis. Uh, he was close to playing, it sounded like, but went through an on-court workout before they said, no, we're not going to play him. So uh, they don't play again until Friday. I think that was part of the impetus to say, hey, we, if we brush him now, we can get him some rest. So you have to think it's a, a possibility that he could return then. Uh, quickly here for the Wolves, Taj Gibson deserves at least a mention for his 23 points on 11 out of 13. Hit a nice corner three. Ties the game. Ice this one. Uh, which was impressive just a nice actually like quick hop into the release like looked like a real corner three-point shooter with this kind of funky release that's good to see and Andrew Wiggins you know a very Wiggins line 16 points on 16 shots you know right about where he's been uh only playing 34 minutes so you can tell that Tibbs doesn't think he's that good anymore because otherwise he'd playing you know 42 minutes the way uh Carl Towns who had 40 minutes and Jimmy Butler who had 41 minutes uh, are getting right now there are moments where 
Minnesota's offense is is painful to watch. And I I spent part of the the third quarter of this game thinking about and a, a fearing a little bit the idea of a, a, a Wolves Thunder series just because both of these teams have offenses that can look like that, but then the Thunder, especially their defense, can make other even seamless offenses look a little bit shaky. So that could be a series where a lot of talent we like, but it might not be that fun to watch. All right, I think that will do it. Uh, if you want to support us, subscribe at patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, especially with us doing the Tour NBA show, if you like that. And Danny is actually going to come out with a new feature. He's got a piece going up at Real GM. He's actually going to read that piece uh, in audio format and then uh, do a little commentary on it as well. That'll be just for our subscribers. We certainly appreciate your support uh, there. And uh, that will do it. Only going to do one more episode, I think, uh, this week. Sponsors are a little bit slow. Uh, during the holiday time after christmas but uh i got some family in town so we'll give you at least one more this week and then i think we'll go back hard with 15 and 60 over the weekend maybe on saturday once all the family has departed thanks so much for listening merry christmas thank you for making my christmas awesome for making it possible for me to to provide my family with gifts and and host them uh we are all really thankful to you guys for that and we wish you a great christmas to you and yours and we'll talk to y'all later in the week till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply